I know who wrote the Super Bowl script. Satan. Satan wrote the Super Bowl script. It went just as he planned. Uh, for those of you that have uh, Taylor Swift derangement syndrome and who were predicting that the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl, you're right, but you're wrong. I don't know if this was some pre-planned script or whatever. I don't know if the NFL was in on it, but I do believe Satan was in on it because that was a bad, bad Super Bowl. That was a comedy script. That, that was probably written by Jerry Seinfeld. Mo, Larry, and Curly played the lead roles. That was not a good football game. Super Bowl 58, Kansas City Chiefs win 25-22 in overtime. It's probably going to set all sorts of ratings records because the Swifties were there and CBS promoted the heck out of it and NFL promoted it all season. But that was not good football. That was a bad game that was decided by a bunch of errors. What's the highlight from that Super Bowl last night? Probably Travis Kelsey shoving Andy Reid. Probably Christian McCaffrey's fumble. Probably that muff punt that turned the game against San Francisco. Probably Kyle Shanahan abandoning his running game. This game was defined by errors, bad TV commercials, that he gets us secular garbage and Ice Spice in Taylor Swift's suite doing demonic hand gestures and wearing an upside down cross. This was a horrible Super Bowl written by Satan. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Monday. Uh, thank you for joining me. We have a fantastic show uh, planned for you today. Uh, Coach JB is going to be here. Uh, Steve Kim will be here. Shamika Michelle will be here. TJ Moe will be here. We will uh, replay and retalk about the Super Bowl yesterday, won by the Kansas City Chiefs in what I thought was a terrible game. I'm glad the Chiefs won. I'm a Chiefs fan. That's great. But uh, that game was boring and bad. But uh, boy, do I have good news for you and us. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at Good Ranchers. Can you believe it? Good Ranchers is back. Guess who's back? Good Ranchers is back. Fall in love with beef, chicken, and seafood all over again by subscribing at GoodRanchers.com. Use my promo code FEARLESS to get $240 in free bacon with your order. Our great friends at Good Ranchers, they're back. I am so thrilled, so excited. Uh, today's show, uh, off on such an amazing note with the Good Ranchers, hopping back on board, but... We're going to have a provocative conversation about uh, the Super Bowl and the Kansas City Chiefs winning their third Super Bowl, I believe, in five years. Patrick Mahomes uh, moving himself higher and higher and higher into the GOAT conversation. Andy Reid doing the exact same thing. Kyle Shanahan involved in his third Super Bowl choke job. He's blown three double-digit leads in the Super Bowl, the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. They led by 10. They'd stuck with the running game. They probably could have got up 17 points on the Kansas City Chiefs, but uh, Kyle Shanahan involved in his third. 
Two is the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. One is the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons when they blew a 25-point lead to Tom Brady and the Patriots. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's got some explaining to do. He is a great young coach, but his ego or something gets in the way, and he chokes in big games, and he did again last night. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Ice Spice. What the heck was Ice Spice doing with Taylor Swift? Why was she making these demonic hand gestures and all of that? Uh, stick around. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we have a fantastic, fantastic show planned for you. JB's just around the corner. Before we get to JB, I want to tell, talk to you guys about bank on yourself. Are you being lied to? Wall Street tells you to put your money in an IRA or 401k. They say that risking your life savings in the Wall Street casino is a secure investment for the future. Yet studies show the average American who follows that advice will outlive their savings by 10 years. Bank on yourself is a better way to grow and protect your hard-earned money. This retirement alternative has never had a losing year in over 160 years. With Bank on Yourself, your plan doesn't go backwards when the markets tumble. Your principal and growth are locked in. You'll know the minimum guaranteed value of your retirement savings on the day you plan to tap into them and at every point along the way. And you'll know what your tax rate will be in retirement. Zero under current tax law, which protects you from, com from the coming tax tsunami. You get access to your money for any purpose with no questions asked and without government penalties or restrictions on how much income you can take or when you can take it. Try doing that with a 401k or IRA, you can't. This is the strategy famous businesses like McDonald's have used and almost anyone can do it. Your money is guaranteed to grow by a larger dollar amount every single year in both good times and bad. Do you want guaranteed predictable annual growth? Control of your money and tax-free retirement income, then go to bankonyourself.com slash fearless and we'll send you a free report with the proven retirement plan alternative that banks and Wall Street are desperately hoping you never hear about. Just go to bankonyourself.com slash fearless for your free report. Bankonyourself.com slash fearless. Don't go anywhere. Uh, JB, Jason Brown, next. Warren Sapp, previously on Fearless. I was going through the list, and I went <laughs> Trent Williams, Debo, the Uke guy ain't there yet, you know what I'm saying? So CMC, Kittles, that's Christian McCaffrey. All. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the backfield, CMC, that's four. And then yeah. we go Greenlaw and Warner and then... Bosa. And so maybe He's Chase eight. Young. Chase Young? No, nah, you're not. You're not. You're not. Chase, Chase Young ain't got enough dirt underneath his nails to be talking about he's better than the quarterback that's leading him to the Super Bowl. No, let's not do that. I said I had him around seven. I got eight. seven. I mean, that's yeah. why I say I got him around seven to eight. Cam, yeah. Cam is just big an ass. I don't know why, but he is. Time for some Coach JB. Uh, to, uh, do I want to start by feeding JB a plate of crow, or do I want to start by asking JB whether this Super Bowl was any good or not? 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna save the best for last. Before I serve him the Patrick Mahomes crow, JB, let's start here. Uh, was that a good football game we watched last night? No, it was horrific. Uh, I was walking around my Super Bowl party, Steve Kim and many others, and I'm like, is this a good game, Steve? And they're like, looking at me, and I'm like, name me a play that stuck out that you're like, oh, wow, great game, great play. You saw a, 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 a gimmick play you had to design for CMC. And that was basically the oohs and the ahs you got. There wasn't a touchdown over 21 yards in the football game. And uh, I think this is the norm. This is what we are accustomed to seeing now, especially this season. It was the worst football season I've been a part of in 48 years. So I, I it, it was rough to watch, man. I'm be honest. I think mediocrity is the new excellence. And I think people see a close game and automatically think it's good. And I think the betting world has ruined the sport. And I say that for this reason, Jason. Fantasy fans that play DraftKings and all these betting apps, they're fanboys. And Patrick Mahomes will get them 47 points on their draft board and their fantasy board. And then the fans think that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest thing ever. But they haven't watched a down of film like I do. And they automatically think that Mahomes got them 47 points. They automatically think these guys are the greatest. And that is the problem we're seeing. It's just it's true. And I broke, I've broken it down. It's, it's bad to watch right now, I'm going to be honest. There is no highlight play. There is no great catch. There is no great run where someone broke three tackles and picked up a first down. There is no circus play. I don't think it from Patrick Mahomes or Brock Purdy escaping trouble and hitting someone down the field on some critical third down play or fourth down play. There is no signature. The signature moments are the fumbles, the, the muff punt, uh, Travis Kelsey going after Andy Reid, uh, those are the commercials, the he gets his commercials. Those are the signature most memorable moments from this game. I can't remember a, a, a Super Bowl. There's no incredible fourth down stop. There, there's, I don't know what the signature play is other than a bunch of errors that include Kyle Shanahan's, you know, coaching error where he's, now giving up three double-digit leads or been a part of giving up three double-digit leads in the Super Bowl, that's kind of what this Super Bowl is going to be remembered for. Or, or you know, I guess Patrick Mahomes' third Super Bowl, Andy Reid's third Super Bowl. But I, I just – this was not a great football game. When I was on your show uh, earlier this morning, you asked a phenomenal question. Uh, what happened yesterday? Did – Kyle Shanahan blow another game or did Andy Reid demonstrate his coaching brilliance again? What do you think was most powerful, uh, Andy Reid's brilliance or Kyle Shanahan's uh, negligence and willingness to abandon the run? So Eric Weddle came out. We had a loaded show. I appreciate you coming on today. We 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 broke this down in Super Bowl champs, Greg Townsend, Eric Weddle, uh, Tank Johnson, who's been in the Super Bowl. They all were like the same thing. We you and I talked discussed this morning. Nine to three, 
Remember that number. Nine passes to three runs to start the second half for Mike Shanahan or Kyle Shanahan. Nine to three. When you control the line of scrimmage, you get CMC more than 21 touches in a game of this magnitude who makes $30 million, by the way. You're paying a guy $30 million. I would probably feed him and feed him and feed him and carry this thing on the back. Because to be honest with you, CMC to get one vote for the MVP is uh, is a travesty in its own right. That's a whole other discussion. But we clearly think that CMC carries the load on that team, correct? I think you would take CMC over Brock Purdy to carry the roster and the load. Because we've seen when CMC goes out of the game, what happens to that Niners offense. And... We also see Debo and Ayuk going out. We see, again, why this quarterback is being sprinkled out there as a game manager, not a game changer. Well, we clearly saw that last night. Purdy didn't play horribly uh, bad, but he didn't make any plays to win a game. And that's what you—that's what the greats do. Um, and, you know, Shanahan just continues to do things that, we wonder, like, this guy should have three Super Bowls and probably four as a coordinator um, if you really just run the football. It's really that simple. And it blows my mind that we continue to see him do the same thing over and over and over and expect a different result, which is the definition of insanity. So I'm confused as to why people think this guy is any good. I think he's a hype and a bust. I've been saying it for years. He blows every big game. He has an incredible roster. If you compare the two rosters, their roster is it's not even close from linebacker to D line to pass rusher to bat running back to receivers. Kittle, Kittle is very comparable. If you want to compare him to Kelsey, he's a better all-around tight end, in, in my opinion, as an inline blocker, much better than Kelsey. Kelsey wants no part of that. And you don't give him the ball, Jason. You don't feed Kittle the ball at all with a quarterback that we're all calling a game manager. Guess who helps game managers? Tight ends. They're close to the vest. They're close to the line of scrimmage. It's easier throws. It's it's the safety net for my quarterback who's inexperienced. Why don't we get Kittle the ball? I think Kittle had 13 targets the entire playoff run. Thir- three games, Jason, 13 targets. He, he, I, I don't think he had 100 yards. And I am shocked that we continue to call Shanahan a guru. I, I just don't get it. I said it months ago, Jason, and I said Lynch and, 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 and Shanahan are failing at a miserable rate because this roster, top to bottom, has probably been the best over the last three or four years. They have nothing to show for it. And it's like putting hubcaps on a Rolls Royce. The hubcap is Brock Purdy. And you dropped the ball when you could not go get Aaron Rodgers because I don't want to hear salary cap being the issue. Oh, that's not how salary cap works, JB. Really? Well, how'd the Rams do it and win a Super Bowl? How'd the Bucks do it and win a Super Bowl? How've the Chiefs done it for three years out of four years and paid a guy $500 million and done it? There's ways to manipulate the cap and move it around and get you a superstar at that position. They failed. Garoppolo, Trey Lance, and now Brock Purdy. Listen, we love Brock Purdy's story. Mr. Irrelevant, first time, could have won a Super Bowl and all that. But he didn't. He didn't. And that's who he is. And uh, he's hidden by a hell of a roster, Jason. And this shows you who he really is. You got to have a superstar at quarterback, Jason. Look at the league. Who wins? Well, Cam Newton's winning right now. He, he's he's gloating and and saying, "I told y'all he was a game manager, and y'all overreacted." Uh, I know someone who probably should be wearing a Chiefs Kingdom 
T-shirt right now who is ordered up a big helping of humble pie, uh, some crow here. Are you ready to crown Patrick Mahomes as a great, great quarterback? This three Super Bowls, JB? Uh, two no. MVPs? Three Super no. Bowl MVPs? JB? JB? Listen, it comes with a sad heart. I come with a sad heart today. I was in a no-win situation. I'm a Ram LA guy. 49ers and the Northern Californian hated ones. I couldn't get out of there with them winning. Then I got this fan base. You know, obviously, I got a million DMs right now. Everybody wants to do everything to me, right? So, anyway, listen, I believe that I stand for what, like, exemplifies Jason Whitlock. Stand for your what you stand for. Speak your mind. Speak for who you are. I think I should do that. I do that for everybody. Am I supposed to jump on the bandwagon of this guy because others say so? See, I watch film and break it down. Listen, can we say be fair on this show right now? Can there be two things that are true? Can he be a hell of a great winning quarterback, but not a great, great quarterback? Is there such a thing? Do you think I can even bring that up? Can I say that, Jason? Because right now he's the winning guy. I'm putting up no question. He's winning. But is he really great? That's his first 300-yard Super Bowl. Took him overtime to get it. He had, he's, 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 ba- he's barely thrown more touchdowns and picks in his four Super Bowls. He's been the most underachieving quarterback to win Super Bowls in those particular four games. And I, don't, I can't put him as the GOAT or even in a conversation when you lost to a 40-year-old Tom Brady three times and that wasn't even the good Tom Brady, Jason. That was the bad Tom Brady on the over the hill. So I can't put him in that category of greatness. Now he's tied Troy Aikman, one of my all-time favorites. He's tied him with three Super Bowls. Um, he's up in the top conversation now, chasing Bradshaw, Montana, and 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 those guys. So. He's 28, Jason. All I can do is eat crow as the years go by. But I think it's fair to give a guy 10 to 12 years of greatness before we anoint him on this Mount Rushmore. That's all I'm saying. And if I I got a very interesting take before you, you go back and try to attack me on this. There's three guys on that roster, and I'm going to give them to you. Please put them in order. Andy Reid, Spagnola, Patrick Mahomes. Go. I, I would go. You should be able to say Mahomes right away if he's that great. No, I, I, no, no, no. Because Andy Reid, everywhere he goes, I think I could play quarterback for Andy Reid everywhere he goes. So I put Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and then Spagnuolo. But but putting Patrick Mahomes a cut below Andy Reid, that's no insult. Andy Reid may end up being the best of the best. He may pull off a three-peat, which has never been done in the NFL. And, and you know, he wins with everybody. But I, I don't think that's any slight saying that Andy Reid, I'd put a slight cut above Patrick Mahomes at this point. I, I agree. I mean, Andy's, to me, one of the 
top three ever. I think he's the best play caller ever, especially as a head coach and play caller. I think he's the best ever. I, I don't know if he's announced he's coming back or not. I know you on the show today, three, three Pete in the, in the loom here is, is, is hard to turn down. I, I've seen it before though, where guys walk away on top. I wouldn't be shocked either, but I think he'd come back to try to get the three Pete. But after Kelsey hits him and the trap and the, and the Swifties and all this drama that you have to deal with now. And we're seeing coaches, mass exodus college football we're trying to i think coaching coaches realize this is a harder and harder game to uh, to coach because of the player empowerment we have and allow now we've allowed it instead of coached it travis kelsey bumping that guy like that hurts me hurts my eyes and heart to see that i just can't fathom the player empowerment hold for a second jb you're getting ahead of me you get it because i'm about to go there just give me one second before that i want to take care of uh, one of our great sponsors. Good Ranchers is back with us. It's the month of love, and that gets us all thinking about one thing, bacon. Everyone loves bacon, and they really love free bacon, which means you're going to love getting free bacon for a year from Good Ranchers, the number one American meat delivery company. Subscribe to any of their 100% American meat boxes, and they'll add one and a half pounds of applewood smoked bacon to your order free. Not once, not twice, but every order for a year. This is an expertly smoked Heritage Prime slices of the best 100% American bacon you've ever had. Good Rancher sources all of their pork, every other cut they sell. Local farms, ranches, meaning you can every time you bite. You're supporting an American family. Simply go to GoodRanchers.com, pick your box, use my code FEARLESS, and enjoy $240 of free bacon. Stock your fridge with easy-to-prepare, delicious American meat all year long. Not sure which box to choose? I love their brand-new Weekly Essentials box full of pre-trimmed beef and chicken that helps my meal prep so you can save time without sacrificing flavor. Fall in love with beef, chicken, seafood, and especially bacon all over again by subscribing at GoodRanchers.com. Make sure to subscribe today and use my code FEARLESS to claim $240 in free bacon. Man, are we happy to have Good Ranchers back with us. GoodRanchers.com, American meat delivered. Uh, JB, now I want to move to Travis Kelsey running up on Andy Reid. I thought this was incredible seeing it i thought i was blown away that jim nance and tony romo just kind of blew past it and didn't dwell on it i was really shocked at halftime uh when it wasn't discussed and nate burleson for some reason jumped in and stopped anybody from talking about it players are just completely protected there is no standard of behavior that we hold them to you just take it all they make more money than the coaches the media is all on their side you can't question them you can't criticize them you're a sellout you're an uncle tom you're you're a player hater everything's hate 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 if you criticize any player uh travis kelsey deserves some criticism i thought yesterday uh, the, the Chiefs played without composure, and I think Travis was a big part of that. They got away with it because San Francisco blew the game. But your thoughts seeing Travis Kelsey nearly shove over one of the greatest coaches in NFL history? I, I just have a thing. Like, where's the integrity of the actual person? Like, the humans that walk the earth now have lost their way. I, I we have no integrity anymore. We have no self-respect. We don't respect ourselves. How are we going to respect someone like Andy Reid? You know, we already know what Kelsey's about and what he's done. We People call him sellout, whatever they want to do. He has no self-respect 
because you can't have self-respect and go out and lack and, and then not and then expect them to respect Andy Reid or any other figure or father figure mentor or coach for that matter. There's no pecking order. There's no hierarchy anymore, Jason. This is a player empowerment driven profession. Basketball, NBA, football, NFL, baseball, you name it. We've given them so much money and we've we started with an inch. They took a foot. We gave them a yard. Now they took a mile. And that is where we are in this whole thing. And, and it's it's hard to watch because without hierarchy, we know we wouldn't have government. We wouldn't have uh, uh, anything. And this is the same for football. It's the same for professional sports. This guy thinks he's bet bigger than the team. And he can do what he wants because no one's going to do anything. I got a very interesting deal on this, though. They didn't talk about that. They literally d- just talk over it like nothing happened. Just, just, just slap in the face to to the coaching profession and and a, and a legend, the guy that stuck up for you, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, by the way, that you just slapped in the face, basically. But McCall Hardman won the game, and I want to ask you, what was worse, the Kelsey thing not being discussed as basically being a piece of you know what? Or Mikel Hardman, who was with the Jets earlier, who was with the Chiefs last few years, comes back to the Chiefs, wins the game, and they go to Taylor Swift in the press box. They don't even go and discuss the fact of what this guy just did to win a Super Bowl, how he came back from the Jets, how he was how he sacrificed and did all this. He don't he scores and they go straight up to Swift. And I'm like, what part of the game is this? Like, why are we not showcasing this guy for winning the game and showing Andy Reid and showing all this? I got an answer. I got an answer. Because, JB, they know the game is trash. And so they're not trying to put a lot of attention and focus on the game. Everything is about the ancillary stuff. Everything's about who was there. Uh, Again, it was just like Nate Burleson at the beginning. Jay-Z, the greatest rapper alive, and here's LeBron, here's this person, that person, here's Luke Combs. It's, it's, and this is what drove me crazy about the NBA. It became more about who was sitting courtside than who was actually playing on the court, and it's why the NBA is such trash, and it's, it's just a highlight league that you put out social media clips. No one really watches. No one pays attention. The NFL's headed the exact same direction. We're not paying attention because of fantasy, because of gambling, and, and because of, you know, just it's just a fun. It's a party. But the actual content is no good. It's not – and I'm not trying to disrespect the players that are playing now, but – when people are watching that game last night, if you couldn't see, like, that was the sloppiest Super Bowl that, that perhaps I've ever seen. There were no winning plays. There, there were plays of people giving the game away, but no one actually went out and took that game, and they don't want you talking and focusing about, about, on any of that because they know the product's no good. It, it's, it's, you know, it's like a woman that wraps a sweater around her vest and ties it <laughs> around her hips. She, she's trying to conceal that, you know, I'm carrying an extra 20, 25 pounds. It's not a fashion statement. It's done to conceal them extra pounds she's holding on her hips. And, and that's what she got going on in the NFL. Let me ask you this real quick. Mahomes has basically 
stopped others from getting rings. That's what he's done. That's where I will say he's winning. He's beating. He's taking rings away from others. I'm, a flip side, though, if Shanahan's not incompetent as a head coach, if Andy Reid's the 49ers head coach, they would have took my, my, two rings from Mahomes. Mahomes lost to Brady. He would have one ring possibly out of four appearances. Let's just be honest. If Shanahan runs the football, we're talking about a complete different narrative. We're talking about Mahomes being a bust. So the line no. is very <laughs> – Please, somebody being a bust. Maybe not a bust. I'll retract. Maybe not a bust. But we're talking about a guy who's underachieved. That's what we're saying about Shanahan. I mean, we're saying if Mahomes only won one Super Bowl out of four, Jason, what would that's not underachieving? That's not underachieving. One Super Bowl is not underachieving. He's a winning guy. What was he? The tenth pick. He wasn't the number one overall pick, JB. No, but Peyton Manning only won two Super Bowls, right? Who? Peyton Manning only won two Super Bowls. Yeah, and, and, and his stats weren't great. Winning Super Bowls is hard. It is. That's Winning why Eli's Super Bowls is hard. 2-0. Eli's 2-0. <laughs> <laughs> JB, hey. I'm going to let you go. You, uh, right. Until next year, until we feed you some more crow. Although... I, I may bring. Are you watching any of the women's college basketball? Are you watching Caitlin Clark? I may have to bring you on to talk about that. Uh, her her coach. This is fascinating. You need to be paying attention. This is great. She's great content. Her coach, Lisa Bluter at Iowa, made a fool of herself after blowing that game. She she wanted Caitlin Sunday that she blew the game. She wants Caitlin Clark to break the scoring record at home. And so the first half of the first of the fourth quarter, she held Caitlin Clark back. And that ended up costing them the game. And then Lisa Booter melted down after the game. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm rambling. I, I'm, I'm big into this one. I'm big into the Kate and Clark story. I'll bring we you on to talk, talk about, about it at some point. JB. Yeah. All right. Thank you, JB. Great job, as always. Hey, guys, I want to talk to you guys about June 1st and Roll Call 2.0. Growth requires sacrifice will be our theme for Roll Call 2.0 this summer, June 1st, right back here in Nashville. We're excited to welcome you. Make sure you get your tickets right now. Roll Call 2.0 event at Rockettown in Nashville, Tennessee, Saturday, June 1st, 2024. Go to fearlessarmyrollcall.com. Hey, we got some great speakers coming in. The Friday VIP event on May 31st is going to be phenomenal. We got some athletes coming in. Uh, You guys don't want to miss Roll Call 2.0. It's gonna be bigger and better uh, than last year. Roll Call 2.0, go to fearlessarmyrollcall.com. Start getting your tickets now. It's going to be phenomenal. Steve Kim, the Korean Cosell, next. Hello, Fearless Army. I'm Jason Whitlock, your leader. I'm going to spend 2024 discussing growth and sacrifice. Hard times are here. Harder times are coming. What has stopped American growth and caused a regression in fundamental freedoms and values? A lack of sacrifice. Our ancestors sacrificed for our benefit. We have not sacrificed to protect the progress they died for. No sacrifice no freedom. What impedes man's willingness to sacrifice? 
his ignorance, his perversion, his pride, his ingratitude, and his cowardice, his rejection of God. The Bible is a story about the power and the necessity of sacrifice. Sacrifice is the sun, rain, and fertilizer of growth. Growth is our life purpose. Grow in the knowledge, wisdom, fear, obedience, and reverence to the Most High. Growth requires sacrifice will be our theme for Roll Call 2.0 this summer, June 1, right back here in Nashville. We're excited to welcome you. Let me spend a minute explaining what G-R-O-W-T-H actually stands for, for us in the Fearless Army. The G is for game plan. In order to properly grow, it's essential we work from the strategic game plan spelled out in the Bible. The R, responsibility. As we grow as men, we understand and accept our responsibilities to God, family, and teammates. The O, ownership. We embrace ownership of our destiny. Outsiders do not determine our fate. The W, wisdom. We honor, value, and share the wisdom imparted to us by elders, coaches, and leaders. The T, trust. We must be worthy of trust. The reliability of a man's word defines him far more than popularity and material possession. The H, humility. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and light. That's straight from Proverbs 22 and four. Come join us in Nashville as we talk about growth and sacrifice and how without sacrifice, there will be no growth. Roll Call 2.0 right here in Nashville, Saturday, June 1st. All right, welcome back. Time for some Korean co-sell. Steve Kim. Steve, uh, I'm going to start here with, I don't even know if it's a question, it's more of a statement. The Super Bowl sucked, Steve. It was not a good game. Your thoughts? You know... It kind of reminded me, like as a kid, before you know we were fully formed, uh, young adults. Ever seen that really bad, boring movie? But then at the end, it had a lot of gratuitous nudity, nudity which we had never seen before. <laughs> but at the, it was at the end. So at the end of it, we're like, you know what? <laughs> that movie got good, right? And you're just talking about it. You're like, I'll probably go see that again. Cutting out the first hour and a half, two hours. That, that's kind of what it was like. Jason, I, I don't, I know, I know I went there. Jason, for about two and a half hours of this game, uh, I was having a lot of fun at Coach JB, Super Bowl Palooza with a lot of football people. And to be honest, the game was kind of a distraction in the sense that it gave us something to kind of converse about. But yeah, this Super Bowl reminded me a lot of the one that took place about three, four years ago, that snoozer between the New England Patriots and the L.A. Rams. Remember that game? Didn't that end up being 13-3? At least this game had a good flourish to it at the very end. I I, I found the game to be pretty dramatic. Um, But, yeah, overall, it's like, look, I'm not one of these people. I don't care if Michael Jackson and Prince come back to do the halftime show. I, I don't. I, I didn't watch a minute of Usher and whoever else was involved. 
And even the Super Bowl commercials are no longer something even worth uh, watching or sticking around for. I don't remember a single Super Bowl commercial. What I really came out of last night thinking was, God, I missed the Bud Bowl. Remember the Bud Bowl? Now, the Bud Bowl. Now, there was a good Super Bowl commercial. You know, Bud Light against Bud. It was always dramatic. They had great games. But, yeah, the game, for the most part, you take away the last 10 minutes or so, was very, very mediocre. Uh, A lot of conversation right now about Patrick Mahomes and he's in the GOAT conversation. Uh, Where where do you have Patrick Mahomes among the all-time great quarterbacks? Has he now surpassed Joe Montana and everybody but Tom Brady? Can I go Jim Mora? I want to go Jim Montana. Montana? You kidding me? Montana? No, not yet. Now, is he in the top 10? Yes. Is he trending a certain direction? Yes. But need I remind you of this? And and Warren Sapp's going to hate this. But if you look at Troy Aikman's first, what, five, six years, he had three Super Bowls, right? He was the leader of a dynasty. And then Jimmy Johnson left his life, and it was never really quite the same. And the second half of his career, I've heard Troy Aikman say, as much as I enjoyed the first five or six years, I was absolutely frustrated just as much by the second half of it. So let's see this play out. But is is Mahomes trending into the Mount Rushmore discussion? Sure he is. But again, let's see how the rest of this career plays out because he's only about halfway through, if that. All right, same question about Andy Reid. Where do you have him? Is he on your Mount Rushmore? Yes, I may have to carve out that 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 uh, body of his. Uh, maybe the stomach part. I, I'm just telling you, if you look at the breadth, now this is different with Andy Reid, though, because he's, he's very much near the tail end. But if you look at his overall run with the Eagles, which I think was very successful, and capping it off with some Lombardi trophies at the end, and Jason, I don't know you if you agree or disagree with me or not. I thought this year was the best job of coaching he ever did. This was not a great Chiefs offense. They didn't have a lot of weapons. They had a lot of issues. And I know it's not easy for coaches like him to do, but he changed his identity because, you know, he likes to be fancy, throwing the ball all over the place. They became more or less a methodical uh, running offense for the most part. They scaled it down. And they got Patrick Mahomes to more or less be an ultra-talented game manager who made some great plays. So there's no doubt about it that if you want to put Andy Reid in that pantheon of Chuck Knoll, uh, Vincent T. Lombardi, Bill Walsh, certainly, I would not disagree. Uh, You left off Bill Belichick and you left off Joe Gibbs. It's very tough getting on Mount Rushmore. It is. And look, boy, Twitter was all over you for not knowing that Joe Gibbs in a nine-year stretch won three (laughs) Super Bowls with three quarterbacks who did not make the Hall of Fame. And I think that is one of the most difficult things to do because what separates Gibbs is every great coach is basically married to a great quarterback. Like Lombardi had Bart Starr. Landry had Staubach. Chuck Noll had Bradshaw. Bill Walsh had Joe Montana. Belichick had Brady. Um, And when it comes to plug and play, if you want to call it that, uh, just look at what Joe Gibbs did. What he did may be unmatched. But going back to Andy Reid, 
great success. You mean Mitch Don Shula. Don Shula had Bob Greasy, never got over the top with Dan Marino because they were half a football team. But let's take a look at Andy Reid. Donovan McNabb, I thought, had a really good career, made a lot of Pro Bowls. I know people are derisive of Donovan McNabb. I have a very positive view of his career. They, they made a Super Bowl. They made a lot of NFC Championship games, and they did not have a lot of talent outside. They did that with James Thrash, Freddie Mitchell, and Todd Pinkston. Not exactly Mike Quick and Harold Carmichael out there for the Eagles. Then you go to the Chiefs. Look, Alex Smith was not, I would call, a bust, since he kind of had that last good run with Harbaugh and the Niners. But Alex Smith, I believe, would tell you that, you know what, I am very grateful that I walked into Kansas City and had Andy Reid, and they had a lot of success. And with Patrick Mahomes, let's be honest, let's not do revisionist history. Patrick Mahomes was not a top-five pick. There were still some questions whether he could play uh, from that Texas Tech run-and-gun, that big spread they play. But this is what is guaranteed. Death, taxes, and the Kansas City Chiefs with those two at least getting to the AFC Championship game. It's an amazing run. It's an incredible run. Uh, the other question now moving to the other side is, are there legitimate questions about Kyle Shanahan in big <sighs> games? Is, is that yes. narrative? Go Jason. ahead. I came away thinking, and I tweeted it in the first quarter, the Niners looked like the much better team, but it's 0-0. And there's a phrase that I heard this from Mario Cristobal at Miami, and he said, I don't think there's anything, there's no such thing as a little thing. A thing is a thing. It all matters. And when I look at this game, and I'm not a 49er fan, I had no horse in the race yesterday, I keep thinking about the first drive, you're driving, you're running well. Christian McCaffrey fumbles. Second drive, really good field position. Penalties blow you up. Uh, then you have the situation with the punt. I don't know if you call it a muff, but they turned the ball over on that. I thought where the game could have really been controlled by the Niners, Jason, beginning of the second half, you have an interception and you stop the Chiefs. You had good field position each time. And Eric Weddle pointed this out on the Coach JB show. For all those people that say, well, Christian McCaffrey still had nearly 30 touches. I'd say you're right, but here's the problem. Jason, right after that half, when the offense stalled, you know they basically went pass, 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 kick, pass, pass, pass. They, they ignored McCaffrey for large stretches. And the inability to get who I believe is their most talented guy, George Kittle, the ball more regularly, unlike Kelsey, who flourished in the second half. And, and then you had that decision, which is going to be debated forever, with the overtime rules in the Super Bowl, to immediately take the ball. Jason, when you have Mahomes and Andy Reid, who started to figure it out, when they made the decision that we're going to get the ball, I said to myself, if they don't score a touchdown, they may lose the game because it almost felt inevitable that Kansas City was going to score on their last drive, and they did. Well, Steve, what's incredible about that decision is he's giving Andy Reid and Mahomes an extra down. Now that they're going yes. second, they know, right. hey, I'm going to go for it on fourth down. Right. And it's, it's an unbelievably stupid decision, but not, not getting talked about. The, the, the other thing that I do think is worthy of conversation is, is Brock Purdy. And, mm. and every, the, the world may owe Cam Newton an apology. 
because his Brock Purdy's numbers look good, but he looked like a game manager. When it yeah. third down, their third down conversions were horrible. They put a little pressure on Brock Purdy, and he got that ball out of his hands really quickly and not to good places most of the time. I think they were 3 of 16 or something like that, maybe 3 of 12 on third downs. The disparity on thirds down between the Chiefs and the 49ers is what decided the game beyond the turnovers. And I think a lot of that falls on Brock Purdy. He, the, the moment looked too big for him. He, he looked like a game manager, put up nice numbers, but did not make the critical plays. Jason, I don't say this as a pejorative or a criticism of Brock Purdy. He's a really solid system quarterback. But as Cam Newton mentioned, he manages a game. And every quarterback has to manage a game. But one thing that's been evident in this playoffs, there are certain throws he cannot make. He has very limited arm talent. And the other thing is, and and you got to give Spagnuolo a lot of credit, the Chiefs defensive coordinator. I thought he did an excellent job of making sure – that the bootleg action where they roll out, you saw the lack of or limited athleticism in Brock Purdy, that the ability to extend plays consistently the way Mahomes can and does that breaks the back of a defense was not there. And and you're absolutely right. I, I do believe that Brock Purdy, when everything is perfect, can run the offense. He's a really, really good conductor. The difference that I thought in both quarterbacks, uh, and Mahomes had to face a really good front four yesterday that played really well for about 90% of that game, is that that extra ability to extend a play, extend a drive, use his legs, and just make it happen somehow when everything's not perfect, I thought was the huge difference. But Jason, again, go back to that stretch of time where McCaffrey was kind of ignored. I felt as though, look, if that is your easiest way to get the ball into one of your premier weapons is to hand it off. Just keep doing it because I've seen games where the run game gets stuffed early, but there is an erosion. You body punch a team enough and you put enough snaps on their defense, they will start to bend. And I don't think Shanahan did a great job of allowing his offensive line overall to body punch Chris Jones and his guys up front. Steve, uh, I was blown away at the Travis Kelsey eruption on Andy Reid where it's a push, it's a shove. Tony Romo and Jim Nance danced around it very quickly in three to five seconds. And then at halftime, Nate Burleson, I thought, made a fool out of himself, wouldn't let anybody talk, wouldn't let Bill Cowher talk. I wanted to hear. The Chiefs were losing at halftime and it played poorly. And Travis Kelsey, I think, had one catch at halftime. And, and they look frustrated, they lack composure. It was a worthy discussion that never got had that Travis Kelsey erupted, shoved Andy Reid, yelled at him, and, and it wasn't even discussed. <sighs> JB and I just talked about it. Players are out of control, man. They have no respect for authority, and, and, and Travis Kelsey should have been roasted uh, and it doesn't matter that he played well in the second half and they won the game. The, the guy looked out of control and should have been roasted yesterday. Instead, he lives in that little protective shell. Uh, he supports the Vax. He's, you know, he's married to Taylor Swift or dating Taylor Swift. So I guess he's just above any kind of <laughs> rules of standard conduct. 
Well, but also, look, this this is also the all-pro privilege. I, I mean, let's just face it. If, if it was Christian Watson bumping him, trust me, he would have been right on the bench. And, and Jimmy Johnson once said it best. It's one of my favorite Jimmy Johnson-isms. I treat everybody fairly, which means differently. And Travis Kelsey is up here. He's one of those guys that can act a little bit differently, for better or worse, to the coach or anybody else and get away with it. While a guy like Kadarius Tony does that, he's probably banished from the sideline right then and there. And I'm with you. I don't I have a problem with Andy Reid. Okay, My no. problem's not with Andy Reid. My problem's with oh. the media. Okay, I'm, I'm, you know what? I don't disagree with you on that, but winning seems to be a deodorant to a lot of things. Because if they would have lost, the story would have been, oh, they, they came on hinge, Travis Kelsey was out of control. But, okay, but now that they did win and he had a great second half, the narrative, whether it's true or not, is, man, Travis Kelsey, what a competitor. This guy's fiery, and he, and he got the job done. So when you win, Jason, you may not agree with it, you're going to be treated better and differently by the media and observers. All right, that's true. Uh, who's your Super Bowl pick for next year, Steve? <laughs> I don't, you know, here's the thing. I know this. Kansas City will be in the AFC Championship game. And if they invest in getting a number one receiver, and I don't mean even a Tyree kill, if they can get themselves a Dwayne Bow level type of guy that's solid and consistent, um, and as long as Kelsey decides that he still wants to play football, uh, I'm just saying this. I am done throwing dirt and bearing Kansas City. As long as they have Andy Reid and number 15, they have a puncher's chance with the way the game is played today, today's rules, the style of football. Um, I think Buffalo, their window has closed. Joe Burrow, for as much as I like him, Jason, he's injured all the time. Can't count on him. Maybe Justin Herbert can resurrect his career and start winning games under the tutelage of Jim Harbaugh. But... I don't know. I, I'm actually more interested, to be honest with you, how much of a Super Bowl hangover is there in San Francisco? Because that is an incredibly talented roster that they've had for about four to five years and nothing to show for it. And I just look at that game, Jason, when it was 10 to 3 and they're going into the halftime. I kept thinking to myself, I get the sense this game should have been 17 to 3. And if you let Mahomes and Reed stick around, you will regret it. And they did. Thank you, Steve. Great job as always. Uh, we'll see you later this week. We'll actually see you tomorrow. I got some stuff I want to talk to you about tomorrow. Uh, hey, look, just because football season might be over, <laughs> that doesn't mean it's over for you and prize picks. It's still the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across a variety of sports from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. My mom is a big basketball fan, and she sent me some of her NBA picks she's selecting for today. Uh, she likes my guy Miles Turner more than one and a half assists uh, versus Charlotte. Uh, Mom, I'm sticking with these uh, former Pacers or current Pacers. Paul George, more than two and a half assists versus the T-Wolves. And uh, Trey Young, 
More than 24 points versus Chicago. Go to prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use the promo code fearless for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use my promo code fearless. Prizepicks, daily fancy sports made easy. All right, don't go anywhere. Shamika Michelle, next. Charlie Kirk, previously on Fearless. If you go down to the details of the Civil Rights Act, what could have been achieved through prudent legislative action was actually ended up done is that there was about 1% or 2% of it, and it built this massive anti-racist federal bureaucracy that wasn't immediately felt, actually. But 10 years, 20 years later, all of a sudden we get these bureaucrats going after admission standards. And they say, well, you have to have affirmative action because they introduced disparate outcome, saying that, well, your outcomes aren't the same, therefore you're a racist institution. Well, no, 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 we're not a racist institution. It just so happens that there's other factors. And of course, Thomas Sowell's amazing book, Discriminations and Disparity, or Disparity and Discrimination, is, is perfect on this. Welcome back. Time to talk a little Super Bowl halftime <laughs> with Shamika Michelle. Uh, Shamika, uh, did you enjoy the football game? Not the halftime. Did you enjoy the football game? Do you care about football at all? I don't care about it to the extent that you all do, but I, I watched it. I mean, I thought it was, you know, okay. I, I thought the Chiefs were going to win, though, because I, I thought it was rigged. I'm one of those. But I, I did watch it. <laughs> All right. So uh, you, I'm sure you watched halftime. Uh, what did you think of uh, Usher Raymond, the uh, entertainer who's far superior to Chris Brown? Uh, what did you think <laughs> of uh, Usher Raymond's halftime performance? Look, Chris Brown is so awesome. You you just had to mention him, right, and take a little shine from Usher. <laughs> so I actually thought Usher did a great job. I was very proud of him. You know, for a lot of his career, I was kind of missing. I remember him doing, um, you know, from when he started out to maybe up until nice and slow. But then I was in the church for 10 years. So a lot of his music I kind of missed. But I thought that he did a really good job. If I had to say anything negative, I did not like the stripper pose. I understand that they were claiming they brought the world to Atlanta or Atlanta to the world, whatever. And, but I didn't like the stripper pose. I thought that could have been left out off because, you know, a lot of kids do tune in to the halftime show. And. I didn't like the fact that he had his underarms shaved. That's that's very feminine to me. And so, again, I was thinking, you know, Chris Brown would have never shaved his underarms for the for the halftime show. <laughs> oh, so. see, that's something that I was completely oblivious to. I, I did. You know, obviously he took his shirt off, but I, I did not notice that his underarm hair was was M.I.A. I, yes. I did not catch that detail. 
Yeah, it was gone. And so I've, I saw a few people say, you know, that it was feminine. And I don't know if that's what they're referring to, but I just like hair on men. You know, I prefer hair where it's supposed to be. And so that for me, I was like, yeah, I can kind of see how that's feminine. And when I think about, you know, Alicia Keys, I see that he's getting a lot of, um, pushback for actually going up and giving her that hug from behind. Even Alicia's husband had to come and speak out about it. I, I saw nothing wrong with it, in my opinion. Like, I understand she's a, a married woman. But to me, if you had a problem, you would have had a problem with the song or the video prior to him performing it. And so I just thought all of the pushback from that was silly. You know, when you're an artist and you're performing, you have to have a bit of acting in there. And I'm pretty sure they rehearsed every detail. I'm sure her husband was aware of the the movements and things they were going to be doing. And when I see the people arguing about it, I'm just thinking these are people that have never done anything in life because here. Usher is performing for millions of people. You know, we all saw Alicia in that red outfit and she looked thick to death, you know, but I doubt he was thinking, let me go get up on her. I'm pretty sure knowing that this could be a career, you know, make or break his, you know, thoughts were probably on, let me do a really good job. We saw Janet Jackson's career be uh, pretty much canceled because of a mistake at the Super Bowl. So I just don't think Usher's mind is where a lot of people's minds are. And I'm glad her husband spoke out saying, you know, y'all are thinking about the wrong things. I have a suggestion for all future Super Bowl halftimes. Instead of all these little 60 second clips of songs let someone sink their teeth into a handful of their greatest songs and, and, and you know, cut, instead of trying to touch on 10 or 12 songs, how about let's hit on five or six and let's really sink our teeth into the big mega hits. Because I thought, yeah, at the end was clearly the climax. And if they had done that for four minutes, if you know, because I thought Ludacris was great, I thought Little John was great, I thought the energy, I thought that felt like Vegas and a party and the whole nine, but it could have been longer. And it's just like me and you were talking before the show. It's like, it, don't give me thirty seconds of nice and slow. Don't don't don't, don't do don't give yeah. me. I don't want forty five seconds to let it burn. I need more of that. Just stick to the hits reduce the, the, the library to a handful of songs and lean into those. You know, when I go to a concert and they play my favorite song, I'm never checking my watch, like when they gonna move on to the next one. I want the extended album, ver the studio version, the version that only his mama's got or his family's got. I want that long, you know, when they lean into a song for a long time, even like gospel songs, like when uh, Benita Jones sings Waymaker and it's nine minutes, I'm like, yeah, give me five more minutes, give me 14 minutes. Anyway, th that would be my suggestion for the Super Bowl. On these greatest hits, Go longer. 
Oh, I totally agree with you. When he did Nice and Slow, I was actually watching the game on um, TVs that kept buffering. And so we were running as we, you know, during the halftime show, we were running from one spot in the house to a different spot trying to catch, you know, the entire show. And so it started buffering. I thought, oh, my God, it buffered and I missed Nice and Slow. But when I went to watch it again, I said, oh, no, he only did that one little line or and and I was very disappointed because that's one of my favorites. And I would have loved to hear it for just a little while longer. I remember Usher being sort of, you know, childlike and kitty. But when he did that, they call me U.S.H.E.R. You know, I remember, you know, my head tilting to the side like, okay, Usher, I see you. So I really wish that song would have been longer. So, yeah, I agree. The whole just, you know, maybe it's the pressure of feeling like I deserve to be here. Let me show you my catalog. But I wish he would have just been confident in I got the job, so I deserve to be here. Let me just play a few of my hits. Would have been nice. Uh, what did you uh, think? Have you seen the Ice Spice video? Let's play the Ice Spice video of her upside down cross and satanic hand gestures. Uh, what, what do you think of Taylor Swift bringing Ice Spice to the Super Bowl? You know, I, I have to say that I think Taylor Swift was in agreement with Ice Spice being Ice Spice because I traveled the country in, in 2019, 2020, speaking at different events, uh, you know, different occasions. I never brought my friends. And so most of the time, my plus one is zero because I know my friends are a bit hood and a bit ghetto. I'm not taking them certain places because I'm not going to let them embarrass me, nor do I have the time to be, you know, sitting around babysitting, hoping, I hope, you know, it's not coming out, it's not oozing out. So the fact that she even brought Ice Spice to me says she knew exactly what she was doing as she was throwing back the liquor. It looks as if she was drinking. She knew what she was getting into. So either she wanted there to be a story and if she doesn't come out and say anything against it, she knew what she was doing. And so I don't feel sorry for either one of them and the backlash they may be getting. Of course, you know, on the liberal side, people are going to think it's cute and it's cool because they think, oh, you, you, you're owning the conservatives or you're owning the Christians. And look how, you know, rebellious she is to just do whatever. But I thought it was really silly. And I'm like, gosh, you know, we can't take you all anywhere because why would you do this knowing that it's actually going to push buttons and it's just not funny? You know, it's not a good look. So I think Taylor is she's in on it. And, you know, for people to be saying she is a witch or she's a Satanist, maybe she thought it's cute to just play into that. But I didn't think it was funny. And so to bring Ice Spice is already a strange friendship, in my opinion. But you knew what you were doing. I wouldn't I wouldn't have my friends in certain places because they don't know how to act. And my friends know <laughs> that I'm telling the truth. <laughs> 
Unfortunately, I used to be one of those type friends that didn't know how to act. But uh, <laughs> thank you, Shamika. Uh, we'll see you later this week. Uh, go to blazetv.com slash fearless. Use the promo code fearless. And you can save $10 on your yearly subscription to Blaze TV. Uh, TJ Moe. And we'll talk about the He Gets Us commercials next. Warren Sapp, previously on Fearless. Why didn't they run the football? You know what, I was thinking that too, but all from preseason, when I saw him in preseason, when we went with the commanders over there to a dual practice, and I watched him throw the ball around all practice, both practices, the four practices in two days, it was just... And I'm like, and I talked to T. Martin. I'm like, yo, y'all, y'all looking for a 5,000 yard pass in Lamar? And he kind of looked at me funky. And we saw the, you know, the fruition of it in the playoff game. I mean, he went head to head with the greatest passer we've seen throw the ball ever in the history of this game. And he had more yards and the same amount of touchdowns. All right, finally, time for some T.J. Moe, Show Me Kid. Let's talk about uh, the most controversial, provocative ads during the Super Bowl, the He Gets Us advertisements. Uh, let's, before we bring T.J., let's play sock number one. Uh, this is the foot washing commercial uh, that played during the uh, Super Bowl. So, uh, TJ, uh, Jesus didn't teach hate, uh, but my Bible commands me to hate evil. Uh, I was looking at Psalms 97 and 10 uh, this morning. Anyway, what did you think of the he gets us advertisements that uh, seem to be uh, arguing that Jesus' number one deal was tolerance. He, he tolerated everything and everyone, and he gets us. He gets why you're transgender. He gets it. Uh, your <laughs> thoughts? Yeah, I didn't like it. Wasn't a fan at all. Um, and as I was thinking about it coming into this segment, I, I think it is because it only tells half the story. And so one, I do think it's misleading in that, um, you know, it, it, 
tolerance is never the word I would use to describe Jesus. There's a lot of words in the Bible. You're going to have to show me where it says he was tolerant. You know, he's ultimately good. He's perfect. He's kind. You know, tolerance is not one of the fruits of the spirit. And there's a reason why. And so we've created a word that's not biblical. I, I prefer to speak in biblical terms. And so th that's one thing. But what they're really saying, if we want to speak in biblical terms, is have grace. And we can all get on board with having grace. But Jesus, when he dealt with these people, always had the perfect balance of grace and truth. And they're only given one side of the story here. And so sometimes we as Christians offer truth with no grace. And that can be equally as harmful. It drives people away from the faith. It makes us look like Pharisees. And so that's also a big issue. But they're erring just as equally on the other side. They're not giving any truth. And Jesus didn't do that. And so that the perfect example of Jesus and how he dealt with this was when he um, dealt with a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they, you know, the, the law said to stone her. And he said, well, he used it without sin, cast the first stone. And one by one, all of them left. And he said, neither do I condemn you. And then he told the truth, go and sin no more. And where is that on these commercials? There is never any, they act as though he's co-signing abortion in front of an abortion clinic. And they make people up to look gay and that he's co-signing that. Just go up and wash their feet. And let's nod along as they lead themselves down the path of destruction. And Jesus loved us too much to do that. And we as Christians should love these people too much to allow them to do that too. And so it, there's a guy, um, Randy Alcorn, who there's a, a very good description of the dangers of this in, in his book, The Grace and Truth Paradox. He said, truth without grace breeds a self-righteous legalism that poisons the church and pushes the world away from Christ. Sometimes that's where we are as Christians. The other side of that is grace without truth breeds moral indifference and keeps people from seeing their need for Christ. And so while these people, whoever these, he gets us, people are on television trying to say, hey, Christians, back off, let these people live. You're driving them away from Christ. They are equally driving them away from Christ by never alerting them of any moral deficiencies as Jesus would have and did if you read scripture properly. The other thing, and, and we'll dive deeper into this later on Wednesday with Anthony and Virgil and Tennessee Harmony, uh, but it's like the washing of feet, my understanding is he did that with his disciples. So his most passionate, loyal followers, the people that helped him spread the word, he washed their feet. And I saw, I see it interpreted, and again, this is where uh, Virgil and Anthony come in and you can come in today, is I, I see it as the ultimate sign of gratitude and humility is what Jesus was demonstrating by washing the feet of his disciples. And, mm -hmm. and so I see humility and gratitude they're now positioning it as, no, uh, this is love and tolerance. Uh, and so I, I'm just not sure if, if Jesus would be washing the feet of any and everybody like they seem to be trying to bait us into. You see someone at abortion clinic, uh, wash their feet. Just love on them to death. And, and, you know, there are you should love them by, you know, pointing them like, hey, this is a mistake. You're going to regret this. This is a sin. This is an abomination. But anyway, uh, am, am I right about that in terms of like he washed the feet of his disciples, the most loyal people to him? 
Yes, I don't think there's record in the Bible of, of him washing anybody's feet except for his disciples. And this is my interpretation. I'd love to hear. I'm looking forward to Wednesday. I'd love to hear from the pastors. But that, to me, was a sign to his followers that had already accepted him that, guys, if you don't accept my humility and my gift, you can't be forgiven. And so that was like a precursor to his death on the cross. I'm going to have to die for you. I'm going to have to do something you don't want to see happen in order for you to have your forgiveness and we'll meet again up in heaven. And so it was, it was a start of them having to accept something terrible, right? It's like, what you're, you're, you're our Lord. We follow you. What are you doing? Washing our feet. And pretty soon he's like, and pretty soon I'm going to die for you. And so this is why I think you don't see him out doing that for people that have not turned from their sins and even celebrate their sins. And even worse, are trying to convince everybody else that those sins aren't actually sins and that they can be perfectly in relation with God, living their own decided moral life. And so that is the issue with that. I don't think Jesus would do that because again, the way this is positioned is that it's like celebrated and that tolerance is the greatest thing ever. And you should never have to turn from your sin. Why would you have to? And so that's, that to me is a huge issue. None of these people, you wouldn't, if you had turned away from your sin, you wouldn't be sitting in front of an abortion clinic, right? That's just, that's just where Unless we are. You're so, praying. <laughs> yeah, right. Unless you're going to prison like the six from Nashville or so, right? And so, yeah, yeah it's, it's, I want to hear from those guys, but I agree. It's like Jesus, that they also have a, a, there's a verse that I have wrestled with the last two years or so that it, it can be misconstrued. But it's in Matthew 10. It says, do not think I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of their own household. What that means is there's going to be a radical change in your life. And you don't get to be foes within your own household just being super nice and washing everybody's feet all the time and not telling them the truth. I will end on this note. Uh, punch you into a conversation I was having with Shamika just about Ice Spice and, and Taylor Swift and uh, how, you know, Taylor Swift is the gateway drug to Ice Spice, in my opinion. It's like the whole Super Bowl has turned into this massive secular promotion and platform. And, you know, I, I think the Taylor Swift-Ice Spice combo uh, and, and, you know, Ice Spice with the upside down cross, Ice Spice with the satanic seemingly hand gestures, uh, what really said a lot about what the Super Bowl has become. I, you know, cause it, it always amazes me how the cameras seem to catch everything. And maybe there's a camera positioned on Taylor Swift's uh, suite the entire time, and, and but, but I, I, your thoughts on the Ice Spice Taylor Swift combination? Well, it seems weird. I know they did a song together, but it seems weird. the The Super Bowl is not nobody's there to watch football, right? They're all there for the Super Bowl. I bet there's a lot of people at the Super Bowl just to watch the halftime show. You know, for the you talk a lot of women around the America. That's what they're saying. Wasn't this? They don't ever talk about the last drive or the double pass. All they care about is, hey, did you see Usher and all those songs that we used to like in 2006? And so, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't like any, I know you guys like the halftime show. I, I like the songs cause they remind me of my childhood, but the rest of it, I'm like, you know, uh, 
married guy, so something I would notice maybe everybody else. The way Usher and Alicia Keys were grabbing each other and holding each other, if are either of them married? I think Ali, I can't imagine. I think Alicia Keys may be married. I haven't didn't look that up before this, but just some of the like, it's just not behavior that I care to watch. You know, all of it with the I I am so my parents. You know that I, I remember them telling me, "What's all the why they dance like that? It's all everything sexual." They got the stripper poles out there. I didn't care for it for that reason. It's been you know a very long time. So I think. Um, Jack Posobiec tweeted out who was the uh, Creed. It's like that was the best halftime show of all time, or it was just some guys out there. They were coming down from the, I think it was in Dallas Stadium. That's what I prefer. All this other stuff is, it's, even if it's not Christian, it, you can you can be secular, not explicitly Christian, without leading people down the path to destruction. And uh, the NFL has chosen to do the opposite. Thank you, TJ. Uh, Great job as always. Uh, We'll play some tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving, all receiving, we all want to be free. We want freedom.